At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said, You'd better get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go tell that fox, I'm going to force out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and three days later I'll be through. But I'm going on my way today and tomorrow and the next day. After all, Jerusalem is the place where prophets are killed. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, your people have killed the prophets and have stoned the messengers who were sent to you. I have often wanted to gather your people as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Now your temple will be deserted. You won't see me again until the time when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. May this be to us the word of the Lord. Hello and welcome to the Lectio Cascadia podcast. My name is Brandon Rhodes, and I'm glad you're here. Thank you, as always, uh, for the music, this Lenten music. Uh, thank you to Kevin McLeod for it at incompetech.com. Lots of awesome, free, Creative Commons licensed music there. Check it out if you're thinking about getting a podcast going of your own. Uh, let's see. So on a personal note, uh, so someone close to me is in the middle of a significant health crisis. So I have been supporting them and their household for the past week. So I've been unable to really direct the thoughtfulness, curiosity, and imagination toward this week's episode that I would have liked. My thoughts are, oh, well, I haven't hit the started recording yet to see how long it is, but <laughs> a little shorter than usual, so maybe that's welcome. Um, and written amid a lot of uh, sleep deprivation. So any inspired content, thanks be to sleep deprivation and um, coffee very early in the morning. <laughs> uh, it's uh, This has also been a fun experiment. I'm out of town, so uh, a good experiment in producing a podcast episode only on uh, iOS devices. Uh, so the audio you're hearing was recorded on an iPhone, and the audio will be edited in Ferrite on my iPad. So let's uh, let's hope this turns out okay. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, let's go. So I was reading uh, something last month, probably on Reddit, that really leaned into describing humans as, well, as the social animals that we are. It used zoology language to describe us as a species, much as we might talk about wolves or ants or bees. Um, one word really stuck in me, it stung me. Um, the author was talking about cities, about highways, about houses and office buildings, and they collectively described these urban and suburban areas as hives. Yeah. <laughs> hives, like bees, hives. Um, humans live in hives. That's a, that's a novel and interesting way of thinking about uh, us as a species, uh, house is a house to us, of course, but you know, what does a bee call its hive? Maybe it doesn't call it a hive. Uh, yeah. So I just, I found it fascinating. Uh, learning this was kind of like one of those magic eyes where you have to unfocus your eyes. You you get, you remember that from the nineties. Um, it's this like splotchy, uh, poster. I could never get to work, but you, you have to unfocus your eyes to see something new in the pattern of what you took for granted. So you'd be unfocusing your eyes and suddenly a submarine would pop out of um, this cacophony of what you had just taken for granted to be cacophony. Um, 
Yeah. So just thinking about humanity is like what we live in is like hives. Uh, thinking of us as, as social animals it was kind of like a magic eye for me. It kind of, I kind of did that. Uh, see, see roads, um, roadways made up of ground up rock and tar is kind of analogous to a wasp hive or nest made up of chewed up wood and saliva. We're animals. They're animals. Uh, there's parallels <laughs> to how we inter- interface with reality. Yeah, just it was a compelling little thought exercise, uh, thinking of us more organically. So, uh, yeah, this this helps me see us humans as social animals even better. Uh, to me, that's a really good thing. Human society is an extension of us as animals, just like ants. Uh, we as a species are in some way uh, a kind of super organism. So to think of us as part of the superorganism, uh, yeah, is helpful for me. Similar patterns of how life tries to preserve and extend itself exist almost, almost fractally across reality. From us smart critters down to differently smart critters like ant colonies and down to inside our bodies, how they work. These uh, our, our own bodies are at in a very genuine way, a collaboration of systems keeping one another and your total body going. Uh, They say that even as uh, the first cellular organisms came to be, um, the the little organelles that are inside a single cell of your body used to be apparently kind of their own thing that just sort of like created a habitat together. They created a hive that became a cell that began to figure out how to reproduce. It's remarkable. We are a colony of colonies of colonies. It's it's incredible. We are so in such interrelated realities as individual people and beyond. We aren't individual people. It's incredible. We are our body is not a discrete and contained thing. Body. So that's we we, we use that word, this gift of of bodies to describe our common life, our being in this together, our hive life. Um, you know, we, we talk about uh, body politic or political body. Like with that hive inside and magic eye trick, um, you know, body, body language can reveal the deeper interrelated organic belongingness that is just embedded in human communities. That was a mouthful, um, but you start to see things. Yeah, you know, once you once you step into the our animalness, our bodiness, like a magic eye, you start to see things almost ecologically. It pops into your understanding of the world. How profoundly, how profound a difference can be part of one holy tapestry of surprising innovation, evolution, and unfolding. It's a gift. So this organic level of belonging together is something the ancients assumed. We talk about the body politic or uh, a political body. Um, And in the Jesus tradition, its earliest practitioners used body language even more literally. They believed they were part of the body of Christ, the ongoing body uh, social reality embodiment of the Christ, Jesus as its head. They talked about how each person is part of the body, part of the system of care and resilience that makes 
the body more than the sum of its parts. As Father Richard Rohr says, everything belongs. And the body of Christ is a microcosm of that belongingness. Everyone was part of that flow of life together, of divine life finding a body. It's how bodies work. Well, uh, until they don't. Uh, one of those systems of care in a body is the immune system. It tracks down, plots against, and attempts to neutralize threats like infections. Uh, but sometimes the front line of the immune system, it mistakenly attacks part of the body, part of the wider tapestry of life that it's part of, as if it were the disease or a threat. Uh, type 1 diabetes and lupus are two relatively common examples of these uh, autoimmune disorders. So some nice part of the body, like a pancreas, is belonging as well as it can, doing its thing, squirting out insulin or whatever else the pancreas does. Uh, but another important part of that same total body and tapestry of sacred life, the immune system, thinks that that pancreas is a threat and assaults it. You are going to upend this whole thing, Mr. Pancreas, and it tries to shut it down and, and break it down. Left unchecked, these wayward immune systems can take down the entire system in the name of preserving it. It's a, quite the bind. So Christ was part of the body life of his people, um, and he was attacked by that. He was specifically the part of that body that was attacked by that people's immune systems. He was defying many systems meant for good. He was challenging them, calling out where their protective social systems were toxic and destructive and may have gone septic on the entire body, the entire tribe. So some talk about Jesus being, th this element of him really being part of a prophetic tradition of folks. Uh, these folks at the Faithful Fringe calling for courageous change in order to save the whole thing and being really weird about it, frankly, uh, seeming to be constantly misunderstood. Earlier prophets like Jeremiah, rail, they railed against injustice in part uh, because it put the entire body at risk. In that regard, prophets are their own kind of immune system. Or maybe some hmm, gland trying to adrenally jolt the body to change. But communal bodies, like a neighborhood, a church, or a nation, almost invariably develop social autoimmune disorders. The way of protecting and stabilizing the tribe, how we know who we are together, um, protective mechanisms there within that neighborhood, that church, that nation will, will like your white blood cells attack possibly its own, its own self. They always get to a point, these systems, uh, these communal bodies always get to a point where it's vigilant guardians kill the part of the body that's trying to save the whole thing, the prophets. Jerusalem will always kill prophets. See, that's what this passage is, is, is getting at here. You know, the, granted, I've talked a lot about bodies. This body isn't from, like, 
one of their one of the other letters from the early church where they talk about the body of Christ. But it does reveal something about how bodies of belonging work. Good parts of a community will they'll regularly misunderstand and attack other parts of it. It's totally normal that this happens. And, and they'll attack other parts of the body of belonging, uh, particularly those calling for, well, a, a adjustment. They might even be wrong in how they're trying to do it, but they're, they are trying to do that. A difference becomes threat. Unpredictability needs to be neutralized. So the immune system clings onto it, breaks it, goes haywire. Jesus' words in this reading, as he's grieving the way in which he's seeing the white blood cells of his own people beginning to converge on him, him trying to save his body of belonging as it turns on him. It, um, his words culminate in him quoting one of his favorite family songs, what we now call um, Psalm 118. Uh, I think it's illuminating um, here if you if you look at the particularly for the for um, what the future is for those who are attacked by overfunctioning immune systems from spiritual um, lupus complexes. So if you just look at a couple, so 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 what he he ends on, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now whenever there's a little quote like that, it's shorthand for like an invitation, and a window into a bigger room of reflection. So he's not just quoting that one line of the song; he's quoting the song. So let's read. Well, maybe not the whole song, but I'll um, let's read a, a few lines above and a couple after. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. So that's what he's getting at. Jesus believed himself to be the stone that the builder rejected that would become the cornerstone of the temple, new temple. That's what happens to prophets. The social autoimmune disorders uh, don't have the last word. The, the masons that discard a stone for not fitting into place, well, that stone will fit all sins will fit around it or not at all. Uh, the part of the body attacked will be held in special honor. So to those of you who may find, you may find yourself attacked by the immune system of your body of belonging. So they're trying to hold, you've been trying to hold the vulnerable beneath your wings amid a barn fire, barnyard fire of crisis you may be questioning whether the status quo of your community is sustainable or healthy and attempt to save the neighborhood or the church or the workplace or the family instead of infect it. But they'll see it just the other way. 
they'll be attacked as if you are the, you'll be attacked as if you're the infection itself. Jesus's favorite family song says that you get to join in the festal procession. Come along to the banquets. And to you also who are a bit of Jerusalem, the immune system badasses out there. Thank you. Seriously, seriously. Seriously. Thank you for bringing your best to protect the body. We need you. <laughs> we know what it's like to have a body without an immune system. We need you. Remember, though, how completely normal it is for you to misfire, to collapse the colony to save the hive. Try not to kill the prophets. Do whatever work you need to do to learn that voices questioning what makes you feel safe, they could indeed be trying to rupture true safety. Uh, yeah. Learn that they could be trying to save the body from disaster. You know, they, they, they could be um, a threat, an a, a, um, infection. It's possible just because somebody's going against the flow doesn't mean they're right. Doesn't mean they have the wind of the divine behind them. But they, you must learn that they could be trying to save your body from disaster. Learn to hold both possibilities. Learn to listen courageously. And when you do inevitably dismiss the voice of salvation, and all of us do, I do. You do. We all do. Uh, it's not just the phobic white blood cell types. But remember, when you do kill the prophets, remember that in time, you just might find that the stone you rejected has become the cornerstone. And maybe, just maybe, this has been the work of the cornerstone of the temple of all of reality. May your week ahead be filled with curiosity and wonder, gratitude and laughter, courage and presence. And may the peace of Christ be with you.